Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. So my plan this morning is just to talk a little bit about my uh, sabbatical and then really to do, uh, hopefully, a, a short study or a short look at the, uh, something in John chapter 21, which kind of links to my sabbatical. So, so I was off for four months. It was about September last year when we kind of, um, I suppose I felt prompted personally to um, ask for a sabbatical. We know a little bit of the history of that. I've done a number of years in my previous church, a number of years in Beacon, and then um, I really approached the elders and felt the time came really for me to have a sabbatical, which was going to be good not just for me, but also for the church. And I'm grateful to God for the church and for Phil in particular, and the way that you, I suppose, kind of rose during that time. Uh, Phil was immense, was he not? Yeah, and, and I saw that when I met up with him. We met in a pub. Um, we don't often meet in pubs, Phil and I. Um, he's, he's worried that I never buy drinks, so why would go to a pub? Um, um, but when I met, I, I was meeting a different person. I was meeting a guy who had, who had kind of risen in leadership and had taken responsibility, and, and for me, that was a real encouragement. So I was very grateful to God for that. I was encouraged by the church, and really proud of how people had stepped up, people had prayed. Um, obviously, I went on sabbatical, Pauline broke her leg, Ben then got ill, and the church rose to all of those things, and it was, it was a wonderful thing. And um, really briefly, my, my sabbatical time, as you can imagine, it wasn't like I imagined it was going to be. Yeah? That would be the, the summary of it. Um, Pauline and I had planned a trip to Israel to see my brother, um, I'd planned to go to some leadership training day up in Sheffield. There was various things that we had planned, uh, none of which happened. I'd kind of planned to do a little bit of writing or writing a, a, a book proposal. I'd been in touch with a, um, a publisher. None of that happened. Yeah, none of, none of that happened. And in fact, I spent most of my sabbatical uh, cooking and cleaning and, and sort of waiting on Pauline and trying to t- keep the house tidy. Um, and I spent a lot of time doing that, yeah? And Pauline spent a week or two in bed because the break was pretty bad. And uh, I had to learn how to use the washing machine. Don't misunderstand that. It's not to say that I'm not, a, uh, you know, like a modern father or husband. Um, uh, but I didn't know how to use our washing machine. I knew how to use our dishwasher and our tumble dryer. So I learned how to use the washing machine... More than that, I learned what clothes go with what. Yeah, that's quite important. Um, particularly in the tumble dryer. You don't put everything in the tumble dryer. I can show you that if you really need to know. Um, and the other thing, so I spent a lot of time on practical issues. Pauline and I and Ben and Emma had decided together that we would do the marriage course at HTB. And so we, would, we were travelling up to HTB together for the first couple of sessions in January then Pauline broke her foot, so we couldn't go. Uh, and Ben and Emma continued to go. And then Ben got ill, and so he couldn't go. And we continued to go. And so b- between us, we kind of managed to complete the course. And it, it was interesting for Pauline and I, because it's the third time we've done the marriage course in our 27 years of marriage. 
and uh, we learned some new stuff. Uh, we got stuff from it that made us go, oh, okay, we, we kind of need to work on those particular issues that have been raised. And, and I, I don't know that I would have expected to learn new stuff, but we did learn new stuff, and we were open to learning new stuff that we're beginning to work through. And the marriage course was great for us. We loved that. But probably better for our marriage was the, the three months where I kind of waited on Pauline. <laughs> that was probably better for our relationship. Uh, and also, it was better for our, uh, for me anyway, the, the, just the recognition of expressing love to Pauline in that kind of way without the frustration of not doing the things that I, wanted, I had thought I was going to do. That was quite a big thing. So, so we spent a lot of time together. Um, my personal devotion times, I, I just found them quite rich. They, they were longer than normal. I, I read the New Testament in 40 days, which meant reading about eight chapters a day. I was able to do that. Uh, Pauline and I listened to Pilgrim's Progress on an, in a, as an audio book, and I loved that. I loved things like that. And then we would just talk about what we'd listened to and the impact that it, it had on us. It was, a, it was a great time. I learned some lessons, some practical lessons. Um, I learned that whilst I quite like cooking, yeah, I quite like cooking, I'm, I'm not very good at cooking all the time. Yeah, there comes a point where there were some days when it was like, what are we eating today? Well, I don't know. Yeah, have you done the shot? Uh, no. Yeah, I quite like cooking, but I'm much better at supporting Pauline cooking rather than uh, doing all the cooking. The other thing is, um, we have this thing where we have, a, uh, when it comes to tidying up, we have a stage one and a stage two. Stage one tidying up is really the obvious things. You know, I can wipe the surface, I can pack away the dishes. And I normally do stage one, and I'm quite good at that. Pauline then goes to some deep clean. Um, I realise that I don't do deep cleaning, yeah? And I can live without that, yeah? I'm quite happy to live with just surfaces. As long as they're clear, I'm not so bothered about the floor, if I'm honest. <laughs> So I learned these things on my sabbatical, that there was an, a, a limit to what I could do. I learned that. I hadn't realised uh, that those limits hadn't been so obvious to me before. I also learned on my sabbatical, and we talked about this, that, that the, love, the love that Pauline and I have is quite deep. That, that we didn't get irritated with one another, as you might sometimes think if you spend that much time together. Uh, there was no irritation. There was no sense of frustration in me because I couldn't do the things that I had thought I was going to do. And I spent time, you know, sorting out the clothes and doing all the washing and getting all the, all the clothes washed in the right order. Um, that didn't bother me. It really didn't. And, and that was, again, an eye-opener. I wouldn't have known that I was that easy about stuff. So I learned quite a bit about myself during uh, my sabbatical, just about me. Uh, I also learned that, I think I knew this already, that, that, that the walk I have with God is, it's a really deep, real thing, and it, and it doesn't change depending on what I'm doing. I don't, I don't pray to God more because I'm a pastor. Yeah? I pray to God more because I, that's how I walk with him, because I love him. And I realised that because one of the things that we discovered was Pauline... Um, always gets up after me. I normally get up at 5.30, and there's a couple of days I get up at 10 past 5. Um, and then on my sabbatical, I kind of moved my getting up time to 7 o'clock, 
because I could get up at seven and still have a good time, uh, you know, in the morning. And Pauline was completely thrown by the fact that I was now getting up after her. This is in the first couple of weeks. And so because I was getting up after her, she would, like, make lots of noise. And uh, she was like, oh, what, what are you doing still in bed? And I'm like, well, I, I, don't, I don't need to get up. Yeah, but she would make noise and she would put the light on and bump around the bedroom. Um, and I, could, I was thinking to myself, man, this is going to be interesting. Like four months of Pauline bumping around the bedroom as she gets up to go, uh, to, go to work. And sometimes you could almost wonder whether Pauline... I'm not saying she wanted to break her leg. I don't think she did. But the fact that she broke her leg after two weeks, which meant that she never got up before me again... And I always got up. We've had that kind of conversation about my love. What was the motive there? What was behind um, those actions? I did do a number of things while I was away. I went to a, uh, the Conservative Christian Fellowship prayer session. Not necessarily because I'm a Conservative, but because people were gathering to pray in Parliament. And so I had the opportunity to go. I went to the Lon- Mayor of London's Question Time. I went to a renewal worship conference. We had a weekend in Blackpool where Yasmin and I went to see Blackpool v Hartlepool. And that was a great game. I mean, Hartlepool have now come out of the, uh, the, the even League Two, so they've gone into part-time football. It's sad. Um, Rihanna and I went to the All England Badminton Championships in Birmingham. And uh, I, t- I brought my dad to the, black, uh, to the National uh, Black Archive Centre here in Brixton. Um, as always, I, I, I brought him to this thing and realised that it's like one room... There's not a lot there. So I brought him all this way and we went to this one room and uh, it's typical of me. Uh, Daisy and I went shopping. Yeah, Daisy knows how to shop. Yeah, she knows about shopping and we spent some time shopping. Pauline and I visited about 12 different churches over the time. And that was, that was generally very encouraging, going to all these different churches um, and I was just encouraged by the church. They were diff- completely different. Some of them were Anglican, some of them were Pentecostal. One interesting church I visited was a, a Pentecostal church, an African Pentecostal church, where the service began at 10 o'clock. I arrived at 10 past 10, and the place was full. And I was shocked, because I didn't expect to see an African church where the place was full 10 minutes after the service began. But it was full. I had to find a seat right at the back. Um, I went to a number of different churches. I preached in a number, in a couple of different places. On one Sunday, when I went back to my previous church, Kings in Catford, I preached four sermons in one day, uh, the same sermon, uh, probably to around 1,500 people over the, over the day. Uh, and boy, that's tiring. By the time you get to the evening service at 5.30, I was praying, God, don't let me sleep on my feet, because I can sleep easily. And uh, I was just a little bit worried about that. But again, it was just fantastic to be able to do that. And I also preached at my in-laws church in Sunbury as well, which was good. Uh, And then we went to, uh, we missed Israel, um, uh, which was a bit of a shame. I missed a number of things. But towards the end of our trip, we managed to make it to New York, uh, where we met up with my aunt and her family and, and my aunt who is my mum's older sister, and the last time she'd been in the UK, I think, was uh, 22 years ago, when, at the funeral of her sister, of my mum. And so she'd never met the girls. 
and she had never, she'd only met Pauline when we first, uh, almost in the first few years of our marriage. So that was a wonderful thing. We got some pictures here of our trip. Um, we, we went with, uh, are there any more pictures? I thought there were loads of pictures. No, that's not us in New York. Um, yeah, so we went with a wheelchair and, uh, and crutches, and we were going up and down the subway. I mean, we are the crazy family. Uh, you, what you need to imagine is imagine going to Oxford Street every day with a wheelchair and crutches. That was us. We were Fifth Avenue. We were Times Square. Uh, we don't really seem to care about those kind of things. I mean, it was stressful for me. I'm like, how are we going to get up the stairs? Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? But Pauline just wants to go everywhere. And because she was in the wheelchair, she had kind of slowed down enough that we could all keep up with her because she's really the one that uh, has all the energy and these kinds of things. So we went there and uh, we went to Staten Island. We saw Statue of Liberty. Um, and one of my favourite things was we went to the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church where I've been to before, and uh, it's just wonderful. It's wonderful. We also went to Redeemer Church um, in, uh, in New York as well. So we had a, a, a wonderful time. I had a great break, and I think the church did well. So when I was thinking about coming back in, and I was... Uh, in, a, in a way, the, the thing that began to consume me very early on was not, what am I going to do, but was really Ben and Emma. So that happened, uh, maybe it was in March sometime, and it, it began, I began to meet Phil, probably a bit earlier than I would have done, just thinking about how we, re- we were to respond. Um, but I needn't have worried, because Phil had, he's been amazing. And you need to know, I, I've known Phil for, I'm 50 now, Phil is 53. I've known Phil since maybe I was... I've probably known him since I was 12. Yeah? 11 or 12. And so I know him. Yeah? I know him really well. And uh, you have to believe me when I say I was so pleased, but also a little surprised (laughs) when Phil uh, rose to all the challenges and all the things that he had to cover in the church. Um, but I was so, in my heart, I was so pleased because I always knew that I wanted to come back in a slightly different um, situation than the one that I'd left. And that became really obvious when we met. Phil um, not only rose to the challenges, but he loved that. He loved rising and, and he loved doing what he was doing. And so we're now having discussions about, okay, how do we, how do we function together moving forward? And, and we've got a team day just the staff team in a, in a couple of weeks where we're just going to look at our roles and our responsibilities. Um, the sabbatical, it didn't bring to me what I thought it would bring. It did bring a gap. It did bring space. With Pauline in particular, it brought this big thing for me about how do you express love? Love became quite a big thing because love can be something that you can talk about. Love can be an emotion. Um, but in, in my sabbatical, I had to demonstrate or I was able to demonstrate or was ex- love towards Pauline. And that became a big thing. And so um, I'm just going to read uh, and to do it in a way that's not resentful, that I'm not battling with stuff. Um, 
And that was quite big. That was big for me. So I'm just going to look very briefly at a passage in John, one of the passages that I read just uh, in, in the last few months. And I'm just going to look at it quite briefly. John chapter 21, uh, verse 15. And I suppose the background to this is, for many of us, the issue of God loving us is not a problem. Theologically, we can get that. And almost every song we sing is about God's love for us. But when Jesus spoke to Peter, the question was not around God's love for Peter. It was around Peter's love for God. And so let me just read these words. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? more than these. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted When you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. And I just want to look a little bit at this passage very briefly. Um, To be honest, it's not the sort of passage that I would historically have looked at because I wouldn't have understood or almost been comfortable with how do you express the kind of love that Jesus is talking about. But during my sabbatical, I was able to just reflect a little bit more on it. We know the story. Simon Peter had, um, he'd been the disciple that really more vocally than all the others had expressed his loyalty and commitment to Jesus running up to his death running up to the cross. He had expressed it in in such vivid terms. Even if they all leave you, I never will. I never will. In his heart, he was as loyal as they come. And yet, and Jesus said to him, I suppose, warned him, Simon Peter, um, before the cock crows three times, or, or before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. And you can imagine Simon Peter in his heart thinking, I'm never going to do that. Are you kidding? I will never deny you. 
And so we know the situation where Simon Peter then denies the Lord three times and his heart of hearts, he's absolutely devastated. Because he couldn't even, he couldn't even make it through the night that Jesus was betrayed, where Jesus was left alone. He couldn't even make it through the night on his own without denying his Lord. So you kind of have this situation where um, he's clearly one of the leaders of the group. Um, He's the one who says to them, let's go fishing. I'm sure when he meets Jesus, there's a, a mixture of emotions. And then Jesus asks him, do you love me? And it's interesting, he asks, do you love me more than these? More than these. And people have different ideas as to what these might be. It might be, do you love me more than you love these other disciples? Do you love me more than they love me? Do you love me more than your stuff? I suppose for us, the question is, do you love Jesus more than? Do you love him more than the dreams you think he's given you? Do you love him more than the husband or the wife that he's given you? Do you love him more than the stuff that he's given you? Sometimes it's very easy to love God because of what he's done rather than because of who he is. Jesus only needed to know one thing from Simon Peter before he could become the man he was meant to be in the church. And that was this, do you love me? Do you love me? And so he asks him that question, do you love me then? Feed my lambs, lambs being small sheep. Feed them, Simon. Feed them. Take care of my sheep, look after them. Feeding is about provision, take care is about protection, look after them. Jesus wasn't asking Simon at that point whether he would be obedient, whether he would lay down his life. He was simply asking, do you love me? Because if you love me, if you really love me, everything else will follow. Everything else will follow. So, so there's a question, do you love me more than these? But obviously Jesus wasn't, wasn't satisfied with those first two answers. And it's really interesting, Jesus... The son of God, the one we love, the one we call our best friend. He hurts Peter when he asks him a third time. I wonder how often we get hurt by God and we don't even realise that. Peter's hurt. Peter's, if you like, he's offended a little bit. How can you ask me this again? I've told you that I love you. How is it you ask me again, do you love me? And so Peter's final answer is, to be honest, God, you know all things. You know what's in my heart, and you know that I love you. Sometimes, and and then, uh, and Jesus goes on with the conversation, and he says to him, look, follow me. He explains the kind of death that Peter's going to face. I'm grateful he hasn't done that to me yet. You're going to face this kind of death, Owen. Um, And then... He, there's that moment where there's, it's always the way, there's the comparison. In my mind, there's a picture of Jesus and Peter walking along the beach, having this conversation. 
when Peter turns around and he notices John following them. And Peter's human, which means that he's competitive. You know, he's been part of those discussions about who's going to be the greatest, who's going to serve God the most, who's going to be the best. He's been part of all of those conversations. And he can't help but look behind and go, Jesus, what about him? What about him? And Jesus says to him, don't worry about him. I mean, he makes this comment about, if, if I want him to live forever or till I come again, that's, that's nothing to do with you. You, Peter, follow me. And it's a small passage of scripture, yet for us, it is so apt. Because I think that sometimes for us, we can do all the right things. We can act in obedience. We can, we can make the right noises, do the right things. But in our hearts, do we really love him? Do you love him more than anything else? Because if you love him more than anything else, you'll do what he commands. You go back to John 14, it says exactly that. If you love me, if, if you love me, you'll do what I command. So God knew, Jesus knew in this moment that the key thing was love. And it wasn't because love is a wonderful emotion that we feel good about. It wasn't that love made us feel great. It was that if you really love someone, you'll give yourself to them. You'll do what they ask. And Jesus was, if you love me, this is what you'll do. You will do what I command if you love me. And so it's a really simple question for us because this question came to me. If, if I love Pauline, I'll, I'll, I'll help, I'll care. And I won't, I won't be frustrated because I couldn't do my stuff. If I love God, if I really love Jesus... I'll follow him. I'll do what he commands. Even to the point where I will ignore what other people are doing. You know, Peter's told, don't worry about John. Worry about me. Don't compare yourself to John. Don't compete with John. Don't find yourself trying to manipulate situations around John. Just you follow me. And I think in a very loving, gentle way, Jesus asks us that question. Just a reminder, really. I mean, some of you might be thinking, yeah, no, great, thanks. But there's a real question. Do you love me? Jesus asks. Because if you love me, you will do what I ask. And loving him is the issue. It's not, you know, I'll die for you. Peter made some bold statements. He made some bold commitments and he failed in them. And Jesus was like, I don't need you to climb Everest. I don't need you to take the mountain. All I need to know is that you love me. And we have so many uh, dreams, don't we? Dreams and desires. I mean... uh, I mean, if you're honest, you find something, you, you, could, you could name them. Oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. 
I want to achieve this, I want to achieve that. And some of it we think is in God. Yeah, I want to do all these things. But Jesus says, do you love me more than all of those things? Are you willing to forego all of those things in order that you can do the thing that I've asked you to do? And I was challenged by that, but I was also, for me, I was encouraged by that because I don't always talk about love. (laughs) It's not something I always talk about. But I realise how important it is to remember what God really commands of me most is do I love him? Not just will I follow him, will I be disciplined, will I be dutiful, will I be obedient? Because obedience to God is the deepest expression of your love. Yeah? And so I want to kind of bring that encouragement, it might not feel an encouragement, but it is an encouragement to you, um, about just asking the question again, do I love him? Asking the question of, because it's, you can just get so caught up with um, all the things that God has done all the truths that we sing, all the love that God expresses to us. And yet, if Peter can be hurt by Jesus, I can be hurt by Jesus. And sometimes I don't know that. And sometimes, if I'm really honest, I'm thinking, actually, do I love him? If loving Jesus is about doing what he says, do I love him? Do I actually love him? I might, I, might, I might think I ought to love him, but do I love him? We're going to close by singing and we're going to stand and I'm going to pray. Josh, do you want to just come up? Why don't we stand together? I'm just going to pray uh, for us. Father, I thank you that you, you love us. And there's, we can't deny that. You've, you've shown that so clearly when you sent your son to die on the cross. It was the greatest expression of love you could ever show. It was the deepest expression of love we could ever experience. And Father, I know for all of us here, there is that desire that we would express our love back to you through doing what you command. And so I ask, O God, that you would, for each of us, show us what is it we need to do to demonstrate that we love you. What is it we need to give up What comparisons need we to stop making in order to show that we love you and that we want to do what you command and what you say? Father, I just pray in these moments that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, because it's our desire that you would have our hearts. The innermost part of us 
would be yours. So Lord, I thank you that you've been uh, with us today. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the gathered people. Thank you for the testimonies. Thank you for the grace that is upon this people. And I ask in these moments that you will continue to speak to us in Jesus' name. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team or upcoming events, please visit our website which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.